Hello, it's Vincent from the Great British Drafting Show, uh, exclusive off-season mini-series dedicated to the NFL Draft and how that might mean for the Panthers and who they might select and, and who's good value where. Um, this week, uh, Ollie and I have been talking about the offensive line, which obviously is a, a big ongoing need for the Panthers, and we talked about some players who might make sense, both both right at the top of the draft and maybe who might make better sense positional value-wise later in the draft. Obviously, this is an area the Panthers need a lot of help, and so we, we talked quite a lot about, about uh, exactly the changes that have already happened this offseason and, and, and how they can build on that going forwards. Uh, if this sounds interesting, please give us a listen. Um, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So please listen, rate, review, subscribe from the Great British Drafting Show, all that good stuff. Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show, where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. This is our week two of navigating the world of COVID-19, and as we said last week, we know it's kind of a time that's a little weird, it's a little bit of uncertainty, it's a little bit of uncharted waters for all of it, but... We wanted to keep recording shows, so we have a bit of a distraction for you, and hopefully we can talk about Panthers and football and get your mind off of all this for an hour or so. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, Managing Editor for The Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, and is currently watching the XFL tape to see who the Panthers might sign to fill the rest of the 20 bottom roster spots. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll take we can take your mind off of what's happening outside the world, but if you think about what's happening at Bank of America Stadium, it may make you sad again. Um, you know, it's a definitely a sad day for the for a lot of Panthers fans who, if you didn't see it coming, it, it happened. Uh, I'd imagine it it did take some people by surprise if you don't follow along every day, but we don't have those kind of listeners. Everybody that's listening to this show they probably know that it, this was about to happen. And we talked about it for a really long time. Uh, of course, I'm talking about um, the fact that I have not worn sweatpants today. Got jeans on today. <laughs> Pretty excited about it. Um, first day in two weeks, went outside the sweat slash shorts slash uh, dog pants. They're like pants that have dogs on them. Uh, that was my rotation for the past two weeks, but I'm 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 alive. I'm a new person. Shave my face. Things are happening. Look at you. You're so adult-like right now. Yeah, TGI Tuesday. But I, yeah. I figured we had to have an emergency pod, obviously, as uh, we know what we're going to talk about here in the next few minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess we should say, um, if you were surprised by the news, then welcome to One Day Contract. This <laughs> is obviously the first time you've ever listened to the show. It's true. Um, You're in yeah. for a treat? Question mark? No, exclamation point. Oh, you're Come in on, for a treat. Also, there you go. There you go. <laughs> also with us, as always, Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, and is good on toilet paper, but thanks for asking. We know that this curve will at some point taper off, but the reality is living in a post-CAM world will be dramatically more different than living in a post-COVID-19 world for Carolina Panther fans. Specifically just for Carolina Panther fans. I don't know about the rest of the world. Well, somebody somebody may get themselves a, a, a hope and a prayer, but it won't be here. 
Womp, womp. On the one-day contract this week, Josh Parcell, co-host of Wilson and Parcell on FNZ, love is blind enthusiast, and is currently in the midst of simulating a March Madness bracket with football teams instead of basketball in a, get this, six-year-old PlayStation game. So, yeah, his self-quarantine, it's going great. It's going fantastic. I mean, what better way to spend the hours of the night that I could be spending with friends and family, but simulating a six-year-old video game, right? I mean, it's the best way possible, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, all 500 people who are watching on the internet seem to agree, so uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this will take the nation by storm one day. Has anybody else watched Tiger King yet? I've heard it's really weird. Oh, it is that. It is that. <laughs> I have also heard it's very weird are currently watching high maintenance high maintenance which should tell you between that and the combination of not changing out of my sweatpants should tell you kind of what's been what our household has been like uh over the past week or so and so you got to self-medicate your way through this thing how many pounds does everybody think they've gained so far during this social distancing quarantine slash now stay at home I don't like to think about it. Uh, I prefer just to think of myself as, as as an entity that goes into each day the best that I possibly can. <laughs> I've done a lot of snacking. Yeah, it's been it's been really snack central around here. I don't actually have a scale at the house. I usually weigh myself at the gym, and since the gym is closed, I, I mean, can you What's even gain weight? Do? Can you even gain weight? If the gym is closed and there's no scale to weigh yourself, it's like Schrodinger's uh, gut. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Josh, didn't I see on Twitter that you are running like a million miles a week? I feel you're you're like in first place. I didn't see anyone in second, so maybe you just don't have any friends that are also running. But I saw that you would run like, what was it, like 60 miles last week? Yeah, weird uh, backhanded compliment to uh, <laughs> to throw that in that I have no friends. Um, it was in second place. It was it was number one, Josh Klein, and there was no number two. Well, I I try to protect the names of the innocent on my on my Nike Plus friends, um, but uh, I yeah no I, I've been running a lot this month. Uh, good way to clear my head, um, especially since uh, the world outside is a little crazy, and even uh, sometimes. What the Panthers are doing seems a little crazy, so it gives me a chance to like reset and put my phone on airplane mode, and then uh, and just kind of think through um, why the Panthers have signed three wide receivers in the past week um, when their defense is going to give up seventy five points a game. <laughs> you know, the true competition in fitness is with yourself; it's not against other people. Wow! Wow! You know, you know who never said that? Someone who won a race. <laughs> I believe I've brought this up before, but when I was in eighth grade, I held the mile record for two days. So, but it was just for two days. For the street, for the house, for the for the <laughs> district, whatever. For for eighth grade at Damascus Middle School in Virginia. So that's a tiny mountain town. So I probably only had I don't know maybe. 60 other people to compete against but still two days it didn't didn't take you two days to run the mile right (laughs) 
no, 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 no. Okay. Just to clarify. I didn't know if that was that kind of deal where it was, you know, it, it took you two days and then once you were done, someone else broke the record. It, how, how, what was your time? I don't remember. I just remember that Stacy <laughs> Wright, my best friend, beat it two days later in gym Stacey. class. It would be Stacy. It would be Stacy. Still not I over it, Stacy. think I speak for the entire one-day contract audience and crew when I say, uh, screw Stacy Wright. Like we are, we are pro, we are a pro Nikki Wolf podcast here. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, if you're Stacy Wright, you ain't right. No, that's not good. Maybe I'll edit no, that part out. That's fine. I like, I liked it. Thank you. Thank you for the support. So for Nikki's super important question, um, I guess this goes with, um, how many pounds you've gained kind of, um, as you all know, I've had a huge support, uh, push to support local. So during your social distancing so far, where have you gotten takeout from over the last week or so? String bean, Belmont classic, the Belmont hot chicken is always what I go for. If they could remember the ranch, which I got to tell you, you got it. Restaurants, we need you to step up in this time. You got to get, you got to get the accoutrements into the to-go bag. It's a vital part of this relationship if it's going to work while we all self-quarantine. Yeah, make sure you put 150 napkins there too, because I'm not going home to eat it. Um, for me, we've we've only gotten two takeouts. Just FYI, uh, no Postmates as of yet. Um, we're kind of sticking to a weekend treat uh, for takeout. So we went to our two of our favorite places, and I think that it's key to do. Um, uh, like small places. Cause it's like, you know, go McDonald's is not going to go out of business during this, but like some of your smaller, uh, places are, are in danger. So we went to uh crispy bond me for some delicious bond me's and, uh, Abu Gita Ethiopian real, uh, very, we're, we're all over. We're very ethnic over here at the Klein household. Wow. I, I'm impressed with that. I'm also going very local. Uh, have you guys had Reed's chicken before? No. It's no. delicious. It is so good. It, there's like three or four of them in Charlotte now. And uh, I've been going to them for a while. But fantastic chicken. They've got uh, like steak kebabs. They've got pork. And the best thing about it is it comes pre-marinated. So you buy the chicken and you just slap it on the grill, put it on the, uh, on the stovetop. And you don't even have to do anything. You just turn the heat on and you've got delicious succulent chicken. It's, uh, it's great. So Everybody go buy Reed's chicken. It's it's the best. They're also doing some cool stuff too, where they're doing um, grocery deliveries for um, those yeah. in need and whatnot. So shout out to them for being awesome in our community. I have a kitchen full of food. Our fridge, pantry, and freezer are loaded, and I've been getting takeout almost every day still because I'm trying to support everybody. So I could list you a laundry list of restaurants where I've been, but just trying to share the love. So I love seeing everybody going out to eat and support local. Absolutely. All right. Now that, the, now that the food talk is over, is everybody ready? Everybody want to take a, a cleansing, maybe deep breath before we get into this? Uh, We're gonna... uh, <laughs> Go I, I don't know. The thing is, is like, I mean, yes, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Cam Newton and kind of his legacy here in Carolina. But the reality is, is like, I mean, Josh hasn't been on the show in a while, but we, Colin and I have been talking about this since what last October, last September. 
Yep. Colin wrote a column in November that was essentially decrying that the Panthers will certainly have to release Cam Newton. Now we're six months later and here we are. Like it, it's been a weird long road. Um, but, but you know, this, unfortunately the reality has always been that if you're the Panthers, you cannot give Cam Newton an extension without seeing him get back out on the field. And even though it was, I was under the impression from everything that I had heard that he was willing to play out the last year of his deal. It just made a lot more sense the way the surgery happened and with Matt rule and David Tepper and a new coaching staff, a new team, a new era. Um, it, it did, it, it made sense, I think to, to move on. Josh, you can't possibly be surprised by this, right? No, no, not at all. Not surprised. I mean, look, you, you've laid it out really well. You've done a really good job really throughout the last few months at kind of chronicling this. And it's not a surprise whatsoever that, you know, we're here right now. I mean, look, I, I think we can go through some of the, you know, particular decisions the Panthers made or things that Dave Tepper said, you know, at one press conference maybe in February in a locker room that might have not been the best look for the organization. But other than that, uh, you know, given the where Cam was from a health standpoint, given where he was from a contract standpoint, it doesn't make sense for a rebuilding football team to have a quarterback like Cam Newton on their roster right now, especially with uh, a new head coach and Matt Rule. I understand that, that it, it was going to be painful whenever it ended, but I, I think – the idea of moving on from Cam Newton was probably the right one. It's just a matter of how they went about it. I think made it a lot more. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if uh, dramatic is the right word, but it, it certainly made it. Uh, you know, difficult for fans to take when it felt like the. You know, a lot of fans don't think the organization handled it all that well. Yeah, and Josh, you look at today, I still feel like to the very end, we're playing an optics game at some level because yes. the Schefter report comes out that Cam and the Panthers had a physical in Atlanta and they signed they signed off and said, hey, he looks great. We're not willing to commit any money to him, but it, it, everything looks good to us. You know, it's kind of like a home inspection. Um, but I, I, then we have Robbie Anderson signing his contract. So we have we have a guy coming in as Cam's going out. Like I still they're, they're playing this optics game. It feels like to the last to the last day, and they didn't do it well. I mean, Cam ends up with a three minute thank you video that 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 covers uh, an eight year career where you went fifteen and one, and the guy wins an MVP. It's not a it's not a farewell worthy of a guy that has done what he's done in this uh, in this city. And for this organization. And now here we are at the very end and he's going to go, he'll go somewhere else and he'll come back in time. But, you know, I understand he's not a Tepper guy, but for a, a guy that wants, for an owner that wants people to care about his organization, again, it, it, it feels like it lacks unless there's money behind it. Oh, look, we can do a 15 minutes on Matt rule. You know, we can do a reality show. We can do, uh, you know, the, the all or nothing. But then when it comes time to just appreciate a guy that has given his body to this organization, they fell short. And, and the last chapter, as it so often is in sports, isn't a great one. Let's go back for a second. And what do you guys think Cam Newton's legacy is in Carolina? He's the greatest dual threat 
quarterback the NFL has ever seen. And he did all of that here in Carolina. Um, I I couldn't agree more with you, Colin. Uh, It's funny, like, people have been critical of him for this, that, and the other on the field, off the field throughout his time here. But if you just look at the combination of power as a runner, you know, ability to change the game as an athlete, nobody's done that at the quarterback position. Like, he's truly one of one in a lot of ways. We just haven't seen another quarterback like him. That's not to say he's the best, the, the second best, the third best. But he just is the most unique. And I do agree with you that he's the, the best dual threat. Combining the ability to run with the ability to throw those two talents together. Michael Vick was a great one. Randall Cunningham was tremendous. To a lesser degree, a Steve Young, a Steve McNair, like those guys were, you know, dual threats, but nobody liked Cam. And that's special. And for Carolina, I mean, without question, the best quarterback they'd ever had. And you never would have thought that they'd be where they were today, even, you know, 18 months ago to think that it would come to an end this abruptly was unthinkable. But it doesn't change, you know, how great he was in the time that he was here. Yeah, I think when you look at, not just his what he produced on the field, obviously, like every franchise record a quarterback can have. He has it. Uh, almost every rushing quarterback uh, number you want to look at, he's among the top of the list. To me, I think his legacy is elevating the Carolina Panthers national stage. Uh, I think that when, before Cam Newton, when you told somebody that you were a Carolina Panthers fan, or if you wanted to think about the Carolina Panthers, it was like, oh, who's on the who's on the Panthers? Oh, okay, all right. Oh, yeah, Steve Smith. Yeah, okay, Jake DeLome. And I think even after they went to the Super Bowl in 2003, I think a lot of people looked at that as kind of a fluky year. They were the cardiac cats. And it was before the kind of before this new stage of the internet where things I think are remembered a lot more. And I think that there are a lot of, Carolina Panthers fans that never knew anything else besides Cam Newton. Um, and what he did was it wasn't just, it, it, identi- it gave the Panthers a brand to go with. And I, I will be interested to see over the next few years what that looks like for the Panthers because Panthers traveling to a city, when you would look at your home game schedule, if you were another team, you would think to yourself, oh, the Panthers are coming to town. Oh, Cam is going to be there. I want to go. I want to see what Cam does, whether he, you know, whether I'm going to be offended at how much he dances in the end zone or whether I'm just going to boo him when he stands up and points for a first down. I know that Cam Newton is going to put on a show when he comes to my town. And I'm not sure that I'll feel – actually, screw, I'm not sure. I know for a fact that people are not going to feel that way about Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Maybe Christian McCaffrey moves the needle, but I think we're in an age where – running backs are especially devalued, but even still the quarterback is who is the face of your team. And right now the Panthers don't have a face of their team. And I I get that Christian McCaffrey is their best player and they, it made a lot of sense for them to move on from Cam Newton. But you would think that, you know, in a, in a league that cares so much about branding and with an owner that cares so much about branding, for them to move on from Cam Newton, I think it really is telling about what they thought of him from a health perspective that they were willing to move on from him. Uh, that's what a lot of people say. I, I feel like I read a lot of stuff on social media about how people say, oh, man, I can't believe they're moving on from him. This is the worst decision. And it's like, peel back that layer 
and say, why are they, why are they moving on from him? They know what Cam Newton brings to that organization, what it brings to that team. And so for them to make that decision, I, I don't think they made it lightly. And I think that's compounded when you look at Ron Rivera clearly valuing a guy like Kyle Allen more than Cam Newton when they probably could have been had for the same price. Yeah. I think the one thing, all of that was really well said, Josh. I think a couple things on that front. You talk about the brand of Cam Newton. He was essentially if Deion Sanders was a quarterback. I mean, you're talking about a personality that was such a force of nature in the NFL that made the game that much more entertaining just for his personality as much as his play. And you put that, you know, that star power that a guy like Deion Sanders had, put that at the most glamorous position in all football, and you have a megastar. I mean, I would argue that, you know, even including a guy like Tom Brady, I think Cam Newton was as as transcendent of a star as anyone in the NFL over the last eight years. I mean, he was as recognizable of a face in a league where you don't see people's faces very often, players' faces. He was as recognizable of a face as anybody um, in the league, and that was that was really special for Carolina to have. And then, yeah, I think the writing was, was very much on the wall in, in terms of how significant his injuries are right now, that the Panthers did move on from him. And, and to your point about the Redskins, I think the one thing to keep in mind with Washington, I know we'll get into this probably a little bit more in detail, but I, I feel pretty strongly that the Redskins also – there's the value side of this and the, the questions about Cam's health. I think they also didn't want to upset the apple cart with a young quarterback that they already had, right? So they have Dwayne Haskins. They are very invested in him. The owner is incredibly invested in him, which is another conversation. But if they feel like they need to build around a young quarterback, bringing in a former MVP who clearly is the better player if he's healthy – could stunt, if not ruin, the development of the young quarterback they just drafted in the first round. Kyle Allen, in a sense, is much less of a threat, but also someone who's familiar with the offensive coordinator and with the head coach that could come in and uh, help be that really capable backup uh, without putting any sort of undue pressure on Dwayne Haskins. I think that's important, but you're 100% right that, I mean, (laughs) they they literally couldn't trade Cam Newton for weeks, and then, then they're able to trade Kyle Allen for the same price that Calais Campbell went for a week ago. I mean, that that speaks volumes about the market for Cam right now around the league. And Josh, to your point, it, it, you wouldn't bring Steve Smith into your wide receiver room as an aging veteran, but you might bring in Jericho Cotchery as an aging right. veteran, you know, in, in a similar situation. I think, I mean, not that Allen's a, a, a veteran, but I think for that role, you would definitely, I think you'd probably rather have Allen there uh, to assist Haskins more than you would Cam in that spot. Yeah. The the other thing about Cam is I wonder if he came out now, like if he was a rookie, a 2020 rookie, because he was not projected as the number one overall pick in the, throughout most of the process in 2010. It, the team didn't even really know what to do with them early on. Now I feel like we have a better idea. And as defenses have continued to get smaller, I feel like Cam's impact would, would even be more extreme now in a league that is more uh, more welcoming to dual threat quarterbacks. And again, has a defenses that are getting smaller and faster to try and compete with the passing game. It, it, his value would just increase. Man, yes, uh, you're right. It's And it's wild to think about how Cam was ahead of his time in a lot of ways, right? I mean, just as an athlete now, 
it's a little more ubiquitous, right? Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, even Russell Wilson, who has really come into his own in the last few years as a true, you know, dual purpose quarterback that can make plays using his legs. Cam Newton could have been that uh, that guy in a different era. Is Mike Shula his offensive coordinator, or does he get somebody else? Because I feel like that matters. It probably does matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it right. went pretty good. It went pretty good the first time around. I'm just saying that it's, it's just crazy that it's like the league, the league now, like the league gathered around and put their arms around Lamar Jackson for his versatility in the last year in a way in which it rejected Cam as not doing it the way it was expected to be done early in his career. Mm. Okay, so this is where I get my reputation as a Cam Newton hater because the one thing I will say is Lamar last season put together multiple perfect passer rating games, was incredibly efficient as a thrower, which was something Cam struggled with early in his career. There were games where he was tremendous. I mean, shoot, his first game ever in his career was a 400-yard game, right? And uh, he lit it up. I think the one thing that – I, I don't disagree with your premise that Cam in this era where offenses are more wide open, there's more RPOs, that Cam would probably be an even better fit. But the one thing that he maybe struggled with early in his career, right, was swinging for the fences all the time, taking big shots, not recognizing, you know, you could check down, take what the defense gives you. And some of those numbers that people like to point out and that, you know, and criticize him, like completion percentage, those numbers would go up. Now, having said that, Let's imagine if he had Christian McCaffrey for eight years, how differently w- would the numbers look, right? I mean, he wasn't surrounded by necessarily the type of weapons that are going to help the, those passing numbers look uh, even better. I agree with you wholeheartedly that Cam in this era, it, it, it's an, the ultimate what if, uh, because quarterbacks today are kind of playing to some degree in the mold of, of what Cam Newton created eight year, nine years ago. And you, you mentioned the running quarterbacks. I think it's also important to note that every one of the guys that you've mentioned that are similar to Cam are all 30 pounds or more less than yeah. Cam Newton weight. Yeah. And when it came to short yardage, Cam Cam made spectacular short yardage runs. He either made them easier than they should have been or a whole lot harder than they should have been. But more often than not, he got that first down more so than really anybody, even the biggest power backs in the league during his time here in Carolina. Yeah, Josh, I'm curious what you think about this because I almost think there's a there's a sad poetry to the way Cam Newton's career ended here where what made him great was also in a way his downfall, right? It was his, his ability to put his body on the line to take the types of hits that no other quarterback in this league is capable of taking. Cam Newton was hit 1,300 times over eight years in the NFL. That's way more than any other quarterback since he came into the league. And it made him dominant, but it also took its toll, right? I mean, an ankle injury, broken ribs, multiple concussions. Uh, and, of course, the, the Liz Frank and the shoulder are, are the ones now. But it's it's almost it – is, it is sad in a way that what made Cam Cam is also at least played a, somewhat of a role in his, his demise, at least in Carolina. Yeah, I mean, what you saw from late this version of Cam Newton over the past two years is – his body betraying him for the yeah. first time in not only his life, but or not only his career, but in and I think that was very clear to me when you saw him refusing to uh, to adjust how he would throw the ball uh, when he was clearly battling a shoulder injury through the end of 2018. When you saw him, you know, 
hiding his injury in practice from co- from the coaching staff and and telling them that he was okay, good to go because you know he has always been good to go. This is a guy that that gotten that flipped his truck, broke two bones in his back, and then was playing uh, less than ten days later. So it's like he has never never ever in his entire life been has been told by his body hey man i can't do this and for him to adjust his mindset to that uh i just don't know how he's going to be able to do it and i'm obviously i am hopeful that he can because the league is better when cam newton is in it and personally i am very hopeful that he's able to find some success somewhere else but I, I, I will be curious to see if he has changed his playing style at all because one of the things that we talked about for the first six, seven, eight years of his career was people would say, hey, it, this guy, he can't play like this. He can't continue to play like this. Uh, this is going to shorten his career. And now we're on the tail end of his career, and it would appear that his playing style has shortened it. And now we're here. We're there. We're at that point where – all of the first six, seven years have added up to this. It reminds me a lot of two guys in the NBA, but Derek Rose and Blake Griffin were both phenomenal athletes that were remarkable at their position, were high-impact guys that took a lot of physical abuse playing the way that they did. I mean, think about how vicious Blake Griffin was attacking the basket for so many years. And eventually his body started to break down. The human body, no matter how much of a Greek god you may look like, eventually can only take so much. And Blake Griffin broke down over time. Still a nice player, but the 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 lifespan of him being at the absolute pinnacle of his game was relatively short. Uh, Derek Rose famously, I mean, has the serious knee injury. Takes him years, to your point, just to, I think, understand what his body is telling him. And then now, actually, to Rose's credit, he's, he's turned it around as a decent player again, but it took him seven years to figure that out. I mean, the NFL, you don't have, you're not afforded that long of a, of a window to figure things out. So I just think, you know, certain players, man, like when you rely that much on your athleticism, mother nature, father time, whatever you want to call it, uh, will, will catch up to you. And you hope that it hasn't ended Cam's career. I mean, I don't know that his career is over at this point, but there's just a lot of doubt right now. And it, it certainly made sense from the Panthers standpoint to say, you know what, we, we've got to, we've got to move forward. We can't let this hang over our heads anymore. We're cleaning the slate and you know, we're going to have to take a calculated risk that, that cam won't be, you know, worth the money that, that he wants moving forward. Josh, on your point that you just kind of brought up right there, do you think that cam had to go in order for there to be a fresh start here? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I do just, just give it. Oh, you heard it right there. Noted Cam Newton hater. (laughs) I know. Josh Parcell says Cam had to go. Oh yeah. Just pull that one. I'm about to send it to the boss. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) I mean, he did, he, he did. And it's, if you're going to start with a new cult, think about this guys. I mean, Thomas Davis put it perfectly on his Instagram two weeks ago. Like, it was literally all or nothing with the, the, the eight guys on the cover of that television show last year. Like, every other part of this franchise that made it, you know, what it was throughout the last decade is gone. All of them. 
They've completely moved on. There's no more Davis, no more Khalil, no more, uh, you know, Mario Addison is gone now. Obviously, Luke Keekley. I mean, there's everybody. All the, all the old guard is gone. Uh, I wouldn't, like, Christian McCaffrey is not old guard. McCaffrey is new guard, and he's about the, the best thing they have. Kwan Short, I guess, is still on the roster. Like, those are the only holdovers. The Panthers have completely turned a new page, and I think with Cam Newton entering the last year of a contract, it, his motivation is, I've got to get paid. I've got to go out and play the best possible football I can, no matter what. And I don't know that that jives with where the Panthers are right now, where it's about evaluating a young core, identifying players who are going to be part of the, the cover of All or Nothing in 10 years when they do the show again in Carolina, when Dave Tepper has a new dome in, in the middle of Uptown and is trying to bring in the Final Four and he's using Amazon as a way to try to, uh, what's the word, uh, to use it as propaganda for his new uh, stadium, but no. Anyway, I, I kid about that. But seriously, like this just needed to be done. I think the Panthers were in a spot where a clean slate was necessary, and, and unfortunately, Cam Newton was part of it. I don't think it was the wrong decision at all. I think it was the right move to move on from Cam. I just think that they handled it pretty clumsily. I agree with everything you just said, Josh. That it was time, but they did. They could have done better, and and he deserved better, and his time and his totally. efforts deserved better than the way he's been ushered out the door. And and again, it's like, well, I, I'm the new owner. I'm going to create my own culture. I'm going to do my own thing. The the players and the fans of the the jerseys that will be worn by fans in that stadium for years will be Cam Newton jerseys, and you owe him that respect. Um, it feels similar to me as to when they moved on from Smitty. Now, you know, in, in the sense of Smitty was a big personality and Cam's a big personality. And if you're trying to start something new, sometimes you do need to move on from that big personality. There's financial concerns. You're trying to get Matt Rule off on the right foot. And like you said, with, with Cam needing to win now and impress now, no matter what, it, it just doesn't jive. And it, we're not at a point. And Cam's not at a point where I think you put him above the team. And so, therefore, it's time to go. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that Josh said was that they, it's been handled clumsily in the past week or so. And, you know, when it first kind of came out that they were that they had said he, was, he had permission to seek a trade, and then Cam claps back, and then Greg Olson chimes in, and Thomas Davis has things to say, or Thomas Davis' son, I guess, has things to say. Uh at first, I was I I kind of agreed um, that that maybe it could have ha- been handled better, and could it have been handled better? Absolutely. But the reality is, is that this thing was never going to end with a coke and a smile and Cam running off into the sunset um, to join a new team. The reality is, and Cam and his camp know that the team has been trying to trade him for six months. So to think that this is all some sort of new this is awesome. This is all new to Cam Newton is, is incorrect. Now, I don't think that he appreciated the fact that they phrased it as if he was, Oh, I can, I can see, I just want everybody to know. I can see the mailman walking up. And so you're about to hear my dog barking in the background. That's going to happen for sure. (laughs) Um, This is the of, of recording the podcast while you're at home, uh, social distancing. Uh, You look at, you look at this and, when I think Cam took umbrage with the fact that they said that they had granted permission to Cam, Cam's team to, to seek a trade, and I think he felt, and rightly so, that that indicated that he had been asked, that he had asked to go out and find somebody to trade with, and that was obviously not the case. I think they 
they were ready to move on from him and he wanted to stay. And so it's a tough situation. These breakups are never going to be pretty. Someone's always going to be mad. And um, I, I don't think that this idea, I feel like that I see on social media that the Panthers gave up leverage by announcing that they were, that they were going to trade him and that Teddy, they were signing Teddy Bridgewater. That's obviously not the case. They, they tried secretly to trade him and then uh, reporters broke that story. And then uh, when out, they came out and did their thing and said, no, 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 Cam is going to stay. We're excited to have him. And I was under the impression that they did. There, there was a little while there where they thought genuinely that Cam Newton was going to be the quarterback in 2020. The conversations that Cam had had with Matt Rule and had had with David Tepper, those were real. And, and something changed. And maybe it was, hey, Teddy Bridgewater is going to sign for $20 million a year. Uh, that kind of thing that changed. But something changed, and they decided to make this move. And the last couple of weeks have not been handled the best. But the reality is, is this was never going to end well, in my yes. opinion. Yeah, it, it certainly was not. There's no way you're moving on from, from Cam Newton and everybody being like, oh, okay, cool, like we get it. I mean, obviously, a lot of fans are incredibly attached to Cam, as they should be. Here's a couple things. I agree with you on a lot of what you said. A couple things I would slightly disagree with. One, I think that what Cam said on Radio Row at the Super Bowl, I felt like was very calculated. And I, I thought that it was an attempt to put the ball in the Panthers' court and knowing fully well that the Panthers intended to try and trade him, try and trade him, not necessarily trade him, but try and trade him. I believe that that was Cam's way of telling Panther fans, I wanted to be here. They traded me. This was their decision, not mine. I didn't want out. And, and, and we've been told, you've been told, I've been told the same thing. Like Cam did have intentions that he'd be willing to play out that last year of his contract, even if he wanted an extension. But I think to me that was a way of Cam kind of pushing the ball to Dave Tepper and saying, hey, all right, you have a chance now to either commit to me or not. And a couple weeks later, Dave Tepper didn't do that. Tepper went really the opposite way and said, well, talk to me when he's healthy. I'm not a doctor. I, I agree with, with what you said, Josh, that, listen, the league knows. I mean, the rest of the NFL knows what the deal is with Cam. I mean, they're not going to be fooled by a tweet or even a comment by the owner necessarily. But I felt like there was a lot. I think, Colin, you might have mentioned this earlier. I think there was a lot of optics kind of being played on both sides and trying not to be the bad guy. I even think that goes down to last Tuesday's announcement where Cam fires back on Instagram and says, stop with the wordplay and everything. I think Cam is very sensitive to the fact that he doesn't want to be viewed as the guy who wanted to leave Carolina. I, I, he wants, to be, wants it to be clear that he wanted to be here. And he doesn't want the Panthers trying to frame this in a way where it was a mutual thing or Cam wanted out. I mean, think about, <laughs> I mean, guys, this happened with Greg Olson. I mean, they, they said, it, Greg is far less polarizing, but they said they were mutually parting ways with Greg Olson. Greg came on my radio show and told me that wasn't the case, that Greg wanted to be back. And the Panthers said, we're moving in a different direction they just tried to make it look, I think, publicly like it was a little bit more mutual than it really was. So they do have a bit of a history with that recently. Already, I don't know. I, uh, yeah. Well, and to your point, Josh, what about what did you think of when they showed Greg Olson on on uh, Unmasked? When they showed his departure on Unmasked after all the years that he's been here? Oh, that they didn't. 
They didn't. Uh, I was so about to say, I, like, I missed was, that part. Yeah, yeah they <laughs> told us there's a mutual parting of ways. They have a 15-minute reality show, and then they go, ah, we're not going to show that part. No, it, and and I, I'll be honest. I don't think – I know Cam has said the right things about playing on this last year of the deal, but Teddy Bridgewater just got a deal with more money guaranteed for this season than Cam Newton had on his old deal. I don't think he had really any intention of playing on that, and that's what made it an impossibility. Sure. It was the time for both sides to move on, but neither side. Cam didn't want to be perceived as greedy, and the and, and the owner or the you know Panthers didn't want to be perceived as kicking out a capable MVP level franchise quarterback, which he may or may not be. Yeah, and then they realized they're going to sign Bridgewater, and they said, "Oh crap, we gotta we gotta put out a statement." Like, I it was it was obvious that was right. I really think the Bridgewater signing may have changed everything for the for the trajectory of this team because. It, it, the Okung move is its own thing, but this Bridgewater signing, he is a good enough quarterback to lead a team to six, seven wins. And, and if he's got a good enough team, I think you can win a Super Bowl or make a run to a Super Bowl with a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. I think everything changes for this team. And I think every move, the, the Robbie Anderson signing after that suggested as well, this team is not tanking. So we'll see what happens, but it's the unfortunate end of the air for Cam, but I think we're about to. I, I don't think we're heading down the road we thought we were even a month ago. The, with the there, rest is, of the there is a Garoppolo feel to Bridgewater to me. Uh, it, it back up, backed up a legend, succeeded in a short stint. You know, when he got an opportunity to play, was surrounded by a ton of, I mean, incredible weapons. Think about what Garoppolo had around him in New England. Now, obviously, a difference is that the 49ers traded and gave up a second rounder to get uh, Garoppolo, but. They drafted really well over the course of three years, really, on defense. They were fortunate, if we're being honest, that Garoppolo went down with an injury, which allowed him to tank and get Bosa. But they have a quarterback who doesn't make a ton of mistakes. I mean, Garoppolo's not a, not a you know, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Mahomes, but he's also a guy who's not going to lose you a ton of games if he's got good players around him. I, I feel like that's certainly the best case scenario for the Panthers here is can Bridgewater be no pun intended that bridge during this rebuild but then when you get on the other side of it in two years he's good enough if he's got a great defense and talent around him where you can win but also if things go poorly and Bridgewater struggles you can go draft a quarterback next year or two years from now it may not be Trevor Lawrence who knows but you can go draft a quarterback and and you haven't mortgaged your future on at the quarterback position like you would have if you gave Cam the extension he was looking for so yeah, I think the, the oh, sorry, Nick, I, I don't want to cut You're fine. just one more thing on Bridgewater. I think the bridge signing, and I think this is why they targeted him. It, it fits both timelines, right? It fits Marty Herney's. I'm on one year deal. It fits yep. Matt rule. I'm on a seven year deal. And so there are two basic ways that this can go real bad way. They can go that way, but there are two basic ways they can go. There's the Teddy Bridgewater comes in next year. Joe Brady lights the world. The NFL has never seen an offense like this before. They score 50 points a game, and you're like, oh, my God, Teddy Bridgewater is the next franchise quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, even though it's, you know, he's already in the league for a few years. And then you can theoretically extend him, and you don't have to go find a quarterback. Or he is just good enough. The defense is as predictably awful as I think we all think it's going to be. They go 3-13, and 13, and then they can draft another quarterback who can sit behind Treddy Bridgewater. So there's still that option of, yes, he could be really – he's still young enough where theoretically he could be 
a guy that you could look to over the next decade, but he also is not so good or has not been so good in the past that you think that's a foregone conclusion. And it could be something where it doesn't necessarily work and they end up with a, you know, being a terrible team and tanking. Tank, I put I put quotes around tanking because no team really ever tanks, but they, they just lose a bunch of games. And I think that those kind of, those are the two prongs for a Teddy Bridgewater led offense. And I, I think when Marty Herney reached out to his agent and Bridgewater was like, yeah, to 60 million for two, for three years. Sure. Uh, I, think I, I, they, I, I think they would flip the switch to tank late in the season, but these signings between, between Bridgewater and Anderson are not signings of tanking teams. In my opinion, this team does not appear to be going into the season with any intention of tanking as I look at it now. They still, they still have one of the three worst rosters in football. Like, let, let, I, I feel like, like, let's not confuse, because I think, like, I deal with this all the time, having to spend four hours a day talking about this, and I feel like sometimes we just, I want to throw up from trying to, like, dance around the word tanking, because they're still just really bad. I mean, look at the, yep. the, the Jaguars, the Lions, I mean, the Bengals, like, depends on how good Joe Burrow is, but those are the teams in the mix, and the Panthers have as bad of a roster as any of them. I, I mean, like, Robbie Anderson fine player like Robbie Anderson's not adding three wins to this team like in and of himself right I don't even think Teddy Bridgewater is I mean Bridgewater I think we we just kind of laid out the plan where Bridgewater could be successful on a good football team I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is elevating this team from three and 13 to seven and ten like I still think the ceiling for this team is six wins and that's I think that's even pushing it personally. Look who's jumping in think, with the seventeen-game schedule record. Teddy Bridgewater's not three games better than Kyle Allen. Well, I, no, well, no, no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, 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 he no, is. no. Okay, okay. He is. Where, where's where's he, he is? He is. Where's James Bradbury? Where's Luke Keekley? Where's Mario Addison? The the, right. def, the defense last year won them games early in the season. That defense is going to be abysmal, and that's where I think the offset comes, right? Is Bridgewater being better than Allen? But that defense is go, goes from – I mean, the defense was good at the beginning of the year. They sacked uh, – they intercepted Jameis Winston five times. They sacked – who was it? Uh, Deshaun Watson a handful of times, right? Like that defense made won them games early in the year, and the bottom fell out at the end of the year, and what happened? They were terrible – I, I feel like you're looking at that version of the Panthers more so than the one early in the season where Kyle Allen actually played pretty well and the defense helped him win. Okay, but if you were tanking, because when we sure. were, were tanking, you would rather, and you were trying to get Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. you would rather have Kyle Allen than Teddy Bridgewater. So if that, if that was your goal, absolutely, is tanking for a franchise. That's what I'm saying. I don't. They, sure. they, they may still pick in the top ten. But the idea that they're about to get the franchise quarterback of the next you know, generation by tanking, I think that's basically off the table, unless, of course, injuries. And I do think they would try and throw the switch. You know what I mean? They'd try and, they'd try oh, and yeah. open up the trash chute if they, if they needed to. But I, I, these moves just don't suggest that that's their plan. I think I'm, this team will be closer you think to they six could bring in than the number one pick. Could they bring in Perry Fuel to maybe coach a few games yeah. down the stretch? <laughs> Really motivate some guys. Evaluating, we're evaluating for the future right now. We're going to get a good look at these guys. So I agree. Like Bridgewater, as you, I think, Josh, you said, like it kind of fits both timelines. That's true. I, this team, 
in Vegas, uh, I'm trying to look at this up right now because I'm pretty positive they have the lowest win total in the NFL. The Jaguars are at five and a half. The Panthers are at five and a half now. Uh, and the Redskins are at five and a half. And I actually think if you go, not to make this a gambling podcast, but if you looked at the juice on the underside, the Panthers are expected by Vegas right now to have the worst record in the NFL. So I, 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 their outlook would be even worse, quote unquote, if Kyle Allen was their quarterback. Totally agree with that. But signing Teddy Bridgewater in and of itself, even Robbie Anderson in and of itself, does not mean this team is out of the sweepstakes for Trevor Lawrence at all. I, I think this team is going to win five games, six at the absolute most. I think it's very possible they go three and 13, two and 14. I, I just, I really do. And I get what you're saying though, Colin, like if you were committed to tanking, you wouldn't sign Teddy Bridgewater. You would wait it out and try to go get Trevor Lawrence. But we all know that's never a guarantee. It, I think I look at this and it's going to be a fourth quarter league. And with Teddy Bridgewater, if Christian McCaffrey's playing, you got DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, they're going to, they're going to score points in the fourth quarter. They're going to win you some games and they're going to take you out of that race. I just, to me, Ooh. With the Teddy Bridgewater signing, and now especially with the Robbie Anderson signing, the the the, the Lawrence dream has, has has flown the coop. I think wow. you're putting a lot of putting a lot of you're giving a lot of accolades to a defense with Corn Elder on the outside. Uh, who's playing nickel corner um, with Woodrow Hamilton as your starting defensive tackle? Like this team is going to give up 50 points a game as their defenses like, and there are not a lot of guys out there that can save it. So they're going to draft. And look at their schedule, Josh. Look at the Panthers' schedule next year. They go on the road. They're on the road against the Chiefs, right? They're on the road against – I'm going to pull it up right now. Their, their 2020 schedule is absolutely brutal. The NFC South just got a lot better with Tom Brady coming to Tampa Bay. I, I, I feel like – yeah, they, they go – I'm sorry. So they get – yeah, the Chiefs on the road, Packers on the road, Vikings on the road, Chargers, we'll see what happens with them on the road. Redskins will be better. Saints the, – the only two games – on the road next season that look remotely winnable, remotely winnable are the Redskins and I guess Atlanta, but I even think Atlanta is significantly better than Carolina right now. The home schedule is not terrible, but I, I really do. Th- I don't know, man. I, I Colin, I, I think you're bailing on the Trevor Lawrence dream a little too early. I, I still think it's possible. A year ago, who the, the Miami Dolphins were the team that everyone said was going to be picking first overall. Yep. And they had a young coach that wasn't interested in tanking. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong on this one. I just think they win too games to be in the mix. And they're still going to be in line to draft Tua with their pick. So, because they were smart and they got assets back. Be, for wait, the guys no, they no, lost. no, stop! No, 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 no. Just, wait, just a second, Josh. A broken hip? Really, really, Josh? You're going to take a broken hip as proof that the Panthers are in position to draft Tua? Oh, give me a break! Give me an Have you seen the Instagram break. video? He looks He's good. fine. He's fine. He's good. Show me Cam running ladders, and I'll be convinced he's going to be fine, too. Sources say the physical went great. The physical went great, and he's hungry. I I have lived in Charlotte as a professional sports fan for a long time, and I know. We pick between 8 and 11, damn it. When we are not good, we pick between 8 and 11 in this town. That's what we do. I can't argue with that. (laughs) Let's um, go back for a moment to Cam. Where does Cam go from here? I have a, a just a follow-up on that question. Do you think that Cam Newton is the starting quarterback for any team in the NFL week one of 2020? No. My, no. Gut, my gut says no. The one team that uh, would change my answer is the Chargers. 
which would answer Nikki's question. I, I, if I'm the Chargers, they're, they're the team that I think makes the most sense to take a gamble on him now. Um, there's obviously the questions about a physical, and let's face it, what's happening right now in our country has kind of changed the, the schedule with Cam and, and has certainly put a barrier between him and signing with another team. But the Chargers need to be relevant. They need a quarterback with star power to sell tickets. They're desperate for someone with that kind of brand. Cam Newton fits that. And if Cam Newton doesn't work out, they've got Tyrod Taylor, who's started for a playoff team before and is a very capable backup. And they could also draft a quarterback if they really wanted to. Now, personally, I think if I'm the Chargers, I'm drafting an offensive lineman at number six. You just traded Russell Okung to to Carolina. I'm drafting a tackle and I'm throwing Cam Newton back there, and I'm telling myself between Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and, and uh, you know, they franchise-tagged Hunter Henry, right? So they've got all these guys back around the quarterback position. Their offensive line was a joke last year, and their quarterback was crumbling. If, if you could get one good year out of Cam, it might make the Chargers a, uh, you know, a playoff contender. I would do that if I was the Chargers. Any other team in the NFL – I know you guys have a lot of thoughts on this, but any other team in the NFL – they're pretty much set at quarterback outside of the Patriots, and I don't think that Cam Newton at this stage in his career lines up with where the Patriots are right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. In my mind, L.A. is really his only path to a starting gig right now. Uh, the only the issue for me, and this is kind of, it feels like a, a bit of a brutal situation uh, for for Cam because he just doesn't, <laughs> he just doesn't, um, he doesn't have a good option right now because with the way that the country is and the way that the NFL is conducting their medical testing, you can't go to the Chargers facility and have their their doctors check you out. Right. And I don't think the Chargers are going to take are going to take his word for it before giving him any sort of deal. Oh, and that's good. It's good. Even if Scott's honor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so if, and, and then it's like, so there are, so you can sign a deal, but it's contingent on a physical, but do you want to sign that deal that's contingent on a physical with the chance that the physical doesn't come back correct and you just fail the physical in front of the entire world? Uh, Like to me, that seems like a much worse situation than anything. Uh, you saw what it did to Bashad Breland on a much smaller scale. Um, so it's like Cam has to wait until... Yeah, well, yeah, uh, indirectly. Not sure that was the coral. Is to, take that, Rashad. Yeah. God, cut Ernie. Your foot, cut your foot on coral. You'll learn your lesson. What's your ring size? Um, so I think that it's just tough. I, and it's and there aren't – you're absolutely right. The amount of quarterbacks that are available is greater than the amount of quarterback jobs. Somebody said to me that he might be a great fit in Jacksonville because – you know, Gardner Minshew is whatever, whatever he was last year, but they may want to bring in somebody that could theoretically challenge him for that spot. And then could he do like a Ryan Tannehill type situation? Uh, maybe, but uh, that's what you're looking at for Cam Newton. And, and it's, uh, you know, it seems crazy to think that even as recently as a year ago, that that might be the case, that Cam will be out on the street for a month without a job. But I, I think that's more more likely rather than him getting an immediate deal right now. I do think that we saw the Panthers wait for the, for the Brady dominoes and the quarterback dominoes start to fall to see if there was yeah. going to be any chance for that trade option. And it seems like that did not come. 
it, it's interesting because the question that I end up at with is how much do you think this contract ends up being worth? Is it a one-year deal? Is it a two-year deal? Because I, I could really see a team like New England, and I know it's being a team that values having a guy like Cam Newton, not at the price of a franchise quarterback, but I could see them valuing him higher than as just a backup quarterback, which is where other teams might try and pay. The the reason I've gone back and forth on New England thing, because on the one hand, it does make a lot of sense. And people think, you know, this is perfect for Bill Belichick buy low on a guy. I get that. I do. Um, I question how good the Patriots would be with Cam. I, I think that roster was flawed in a lot of ways, particularly on offense last year. Even the defense was a little bit of fool's gold. They feasted on some bad football teams early in the year, and people made their defense out to be one of the greatest of all time. It was exposed in the second half of the season, starting with that Baltimore game. So I think by bringing Cam Newton in, I don't know that it's getting you to a Super Bowl next year, which, let's face it, that's the bar in New England. And it's also keeping you further away from finding that next franchise quarterback, right? For example, a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, if the Patriots wanted to go the other direction. So I, I get the logic in the Cam thing, but I also think that ultimately their ceiling isn't a Super Bowl with him and their floor is way too high for them to, I think, set themselves up best in the future. But I mean, they are one of the only places that legitimately has a need at quarterback on the surface. It makes sense. Here's something I threw out on, on my radio show earlier this week, and I get that it's crazy. I'm not saying that this should be plan A. It probably shouldn't even be plan B. But if you can't get a starting job, if you're Cam, and there's nowhere where it's obvious that you could compete for the job or be given the job the day that you walk in, would you think about going to Kansas City or Baltimore and, and being a backup for a year, getting healthy, removing any questions about your foot, learning under Andy Reid, who's rehabbed multiple veteran quarterbacks in his career, or playing for Greg Roman, who has mastered the RPO with not just Colin Kaepernick, but now Lamar Jackson, and just trying to almost rehabilitate your perception around the league. Again, this is under the assumption that just nobody will give him a starting job. I, 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 it would take a lot of humility on Cam's part, who clearly wants to prove to everybody he can still play. But I'm just thinking to myself, those are pretty good options if you're just looking to if you have a little bit of patience and try to prove to the rest of the league that you're healthy again, that you could, you could find worse places to go. Sure you could, but at, at what price point and not just for cam, but for them, would they be interested in, in shelling out for a, a backup quarterback to effectively have a rest year? You know, Who, I, I, yeah. and I think I'll say this about, about Belichick real quick. He, what better way to go from winning with Brady to not only proving he could do it without Brady, but winning with a dual quarterback system <laughs> in new England after watching Tom Brady walk out the door. I, I, I don't know. I just, I think, I think Belichick's the kind of guy that looks at Cam and still is like, I, I, I have thoughts about how to use this young man. <laughs> yeah. They don't have any cap space. I mean, that, that shouldn't matter. I mean, you can move stuff around and, and make space, so wouldn't be a huge deal. That would be the other thing. But you're right. I mean, Bel, Belichick, I, who knows what Belichick's thinking right now? But he is absolutely plotting a way to revenge or avenge Tom Brady leaving him. I mean, there, there is clear animosity between those two uh, that developed over the last few years. So it's hard to imagine Belichick just sitting on the sidelines and sitting this season out, basically, and, and tanking for Trevor or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know that the Patriots would, would win a Super Bowl with Cam. And if they don't think they can win a Super Bowl with Cam, 
I don't know that it would be worth it, but I do I do get the temptation that would come along with it if you're the Patriots and you're staring at Brian Hoyer as your alternative. Well, and Belichick is a warlock. We already know that. We <laughs> I want to talk about one one more city to throw in there, just because I heard it mentioned last year when it was very early in the in the Cam trade talks was mm. uh, as a dark horse is Denver, and I know that obviously they have Drew Locke, but it's just. At, for some reason, like any time that I talk about Cam and where he might go with people that like know these things, Denver is always out of their mouth at some point. Yeah. So just John has, has said that he would have drafted Cam Newton if Carolina hadn't done it number one overall in 2011. I, just, just somebody to keep an eye on doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense because of Drew Locke, but Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Also a franchise I've heard that, that has had success with short-term vet quarterbacks. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Specific, <laughs> do you have any specifics? Um, it's been well, a while. We talked, about, we talked about the end of the Cam Newton era, obviously, but what about another quarterback on that roster? What about the Will Greer era? What's the signing of P.J. Walker mean? You want me to go first? Should I I, I be the first to write the eulogy or do you guys want the honor? I I just think it's over for him uh, personally. Uh, They signed PJ Walker to a $1.5 million deal, which is pretty rich for a guy out of the XFL who's only been on a practice squad in the NFL before. Um, Will Greer just, he was a Marty Herney pick. Marty Herney's still around, but Ron Rivera and Norv and Scott Turner are gone. And I think that it's clear that Matt Rule uh, values the skill sets of Bridgewater. They value the skill set of PJ Walker and that familiarity I think is going to ultimately win out. Um, I, I had heard uh, several people within the team last year at the end of the season, more or less tell me Will Greer just isn't good. Uh, they, he just struggled much of last season um, he wasn't put in a great situation, let's be fair, at the end of the year when he was starting. That was a team that had quit. Uh, that was you know, an offensive line that was a little beleaguered as well. But I, I think that there was a lot of doubt that Will Greer really had what it takes to be a, even a backup in the NFL right now. And he's older. He's older than Kyle Allen. I mean, it, I think some people forget that you know, he's 25 years old. I just And, and he's actually, I think, two months younger than P.J. Walker. I think one of them was born in February, the other in April of 1995. Like, they're just, they're basically the same age. I think P.J. just fits a little bit more of what Joe Brady wants in this offense, which is quarterbacks who can move around a little bit more, uh, both in and outside the pocket. And, I mean, there's there's some upside to P.J. He's going to have to prove it in camp first, but I think they're going to give him the first crack at being the backup, personally. I think Walker was better served than Greer was based on the experience he's had as a professional. To get to this point, to yeah. have more of a chance. Yeah, I think you look at, uh, you know, you look the moves that they've made over the past week, and the amount of uh, the amount of Temple that has just walked yeah. into Bank of America Stadium. Noted football powerhouse Temple. Yeah, Use who do you think has, has the advantage to be the backup quarterback between former yep. Temple quarterback PJ Walker and Will Greer, who was unable to beat out Kyle Allen for the for the backup spot last year, I, I just it just seems like it's it's PJ it's PJ spot to lose as the backup quarterback, and you know I I'll never I'll, I'll always remember Mike Lombardi 
who uh, used obviously used to be a GM, does great work kind of all across the football sphere, once said that he was in he was in a training camp and uh, a third round pick walked in and on the very first day of practice, uh, the coach leaned over and said to him, that guy's not an NFL player. We made a mistake drafting him. And I wonder if that was that was a conversation that some guys had at Bank of America Stadium about Will Greer um, because they did their best to not let him out there on the field at all. And then once he went out there, zero touchdowns, four interceptions, wasn't a great situation for him, but he didn't do anything to elevate it. Yeah, and if I can just add something, I mean, you might have heard this too, Josh, I don't know, but uh, I, I was straight up told, I've said this on, on the radio show a handful of times too, but uh, that was a Tepper move uh, to play Will Greer. That, that was, some, the coaches were not uh, ready to play him, and Dave Tepper stepped in at the end of the season, and I, I don't want to say forced their hands, I think that might be a little bit overstating it, but it was strongly urged, I'll put it that way, that the younger players, including Will Greer, get on the field, um, despite the coaches recognizing that Kyle Allen was better, Kyle Allen was more ready to play, and... Um, the ownership decided that it was time to, and by the way, I think it was probably the right move. Like it was, it was probably the right decision to see these younger players get on the field. I don't think it was the wrong move, but um, just something to keep in mind when we think about just the involvement of ownership with football decisions is they, they, they were not prepared to play Will Greer. They did not think he was ready to play an NFL game. And um, I think that was pretty obvious in watching the, the, you know, the Colts game and in, in the following week too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Owners that make football decisions, that usually turns out great, right? It's part of the <laughs> disciplined approach. Yep. <laughs> I'll just leave that there. <laughs> well, instead of a game this week, I thought maybe we could end the show with uh, each of us talking about our favorite Cam Newton memory in Carolina. Um, Josh, since you're our guest, you can go first. Sure. So... I think the one there's so many great moments of his. I love the oh you've been watching film, huh? Well, watch this. That that is the ultimate like middle finger on the field <laughs> moment. Just I am better than you. And and the thing that was that was so cool about that too is there was always this weird blowback to Cam that he didn't prepare or that he wasn't a, a cerebral quarterback which anyone who's coached him or played with him would always say, like, he is. Like, he's incredibly bright when it comes to football. He's always prepared. He puts in the time and work. And, you know, a lot of national talking heads like to try to criticize Cam for whatever reason for that. That right there showed he's prepared. He's playing the chess game on the field. He's not just this guy who relies on his athleticism. He also can win with scheme. And that was a really cool moment for him just a couple of years ago. Obviously, there's so many, but... That one to me sticks out as just the coolest, funniest, and and I think really more telling moments of, of Cam's time here. I'll go back to 2015. Um, they'd been dominating the Giants for most of the yeah. afternoon. The Giants scored two, two fourth quarter uh, touchdowns. Odell Beckham Jr.'s running down the middle of the field, dabbing, and they pan or they 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 switch to Cam on the sideline, and he just nods. And then they go out and they get the game-winning field goal drive, exactly what they needed. For it. it was like at that moment, if you had not believed in Cam, if you were a Panther fan that had still been resisting, at that moment, like, look, 
you like him, don't like him, whatever. But this is a hell of a ride, and it's a whole lot more fun to be on Cam's team than it is to be going against Cam this year. I thought that particular moment, the nod, was really peak Cam. That his confidence, they, they always said, if he brings it all together, we're all in trouble. And I felt like that was the moment that symbolized that. Yeah, I mean, you talk about peak Cam. Peak Cam to me came a, a couple of weeks after that in 2015 when they were uh, dismantling the Atlanta Falcons. They, they were eventually, it was 38 nothing. I don't know if that was a score as Cam ran up and down the sideline and did the Hulk Hogan uh, put his hand to his ear and then he ran 80 yards back the other way towards the other sideline and did it again. Just the, the connection with his crowd. And Colin, you've, you've talked about it so many times that I almost feel bad. It's kind of stealing your point, but the fact that Cam Newton started giving away footballs after touchdowns to small children in the front row. And now that is the, not only it happens throughout the league, but is a tradition that will live on for the Carolina Panthers for as long as they were playing football. To me, the Sunday giveaway is kind of, is my favorite thing to see, to see him interact with kids. And not only that with his teammates, and then it became a joke about how he was going to take the ball from them. And it just, to me, it kind of epitomized who he was and his connection with the crowd um, was something that I will never forget. And just to see him outside of the football stadium, anyone that has ever seen Cam Newton outside of the football stadium, you know that he is trailed by a, gaggle of people yelling his name in the most annoying way possible and for him to still go out there and be you know be courteous and nice to fans and to, to kids and and want to spend time with them is just um shows what kind of person he was off the field and I, I i wish and hope that he can be successful wherever he goes one, one final thing too about, about this one the, the team photo the growth of the team photo because when it first started it was just cam and like Stu and some of the offensive guys and by the end of the season it was everybody and that was cam's magnetism and everything that team coming together i, I just I, I wish they would have put that would have been a great tribute if they actually would have put out the team photos from that year uh, mm -hmm. and just see how it grew on the sidelines because they were up on so many teams that year they were dominating teams and they always had time to take the team photo. Damn. That's, that's what that, it would sound um, like. Was it that <laughs> Dallas game that year when he took the camera from the photographer on the sideline and was taking pics? Well, if it wasn't, he should have because the defense <laughs> owned that day. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, you know, Josh, you were right on it. Like, I will never forget the first time he gave a kid a football. I, like bawled in the stands like sobbed uncontrollably in the stands and still every touchdown after that I still cried it's just something so special and no one's ever done anything like that before and it still gives you all the feels every time that you saw it my other favorite memory too was whenever he brought Chosen for the first time to a to a press conference just seeing oh, yeah. <laughs> him and Chosen together was it was really cool to see and the look on Chosen's face as he looked up at his dad was just something that you could never recreate or force a child to do it's just something that comes naturally because you could see how much that that kid loves his dad you mentioned giving away the balls the other thing too is when the opposing opposing team would have fans sitting right next to the person who got the ball and they're sitting there pouting while the person is celebrating this great moment and particularly when it was falcons fans that made it extra special <laughs> <laughs> 
Josh, where can people find you on the internets and whatnot? Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Parcell. And we, you can listen to my show every day, 10 to 2. I'm on with Nick Wilson, who I know is a friend of the program as well. Uh, we are on WFNZ. You can stream it live if you're working from home right now. Stream it on the radio.com app. It's a great way to listen to the show uh, on the mobile app. You can listen to it on your computer as well. And then I also do a show every night from 6 to 7 on WFNZ called The Final Drive. So it's a one-hour show. A lot of Panther talk in that show as well. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just a, just a little bit everywhere these days. But I really do appreciate you guys having me on. Josh, if, number two. If there are two dudes that I can envision talking for four hours a day while no sports are happening – it's uh, Nick Wilson and Josh Parcell. I, I look forward to the time in months when there is when there have been no games played uh, for over 45 days and no signings and no trades, and you guys are just debating uh, whether or not the shape of pepperoni affects the taste or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. We that. Oh God, that's funny because it's true. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm telling that you, Josh, if you're eating square pepperoni, it just doesn't taste the same. Does it crisp <laughs> up? Oh man. Uh, you can oh. follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules. You can go to theriotreport.com for all of your Panthers um, coverage needs uh, as they are happening as we try to navigate. Uh, what is happening over there at Bank of America Stadium and when this season might actually start? Colin. At Colin CLT on Twitter. Fabulous. Well, this has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Josh Parcell, your One Day Contract is up. Everyone else, we'll see you next episode. Stay safe, take care of each other, That's be kind, wash those hands. Follow Nikki on Twitter, Nikki704. Shop local. Thanks. <laughs>